This is episode 179, How to Practice Fasting and Intermittent Fasting for a Superstar Life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is the Dance of Life podcast. Every week, my goal is to inspire you to take action towards what you love, live a transformed life, and enjoy the journey there. Are you ready? Let's go. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Dance of Life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and I'm your host. We're going to get Ben Franklin here to warm things up for us. The best of all medicines is resting and fasting. What a simple and powerful quote to anchor us today as we do a deep dive into an ancient and now apparently very trendy practice of fasting and intermittent fasting. So that's a been a big part of my life, and I wanted to share that with you guys. We're going to do a deep dive into this. Like I said, I have a special guide and report that I've created for you guys to download. It's a PDF, ebook, whatever you want to call it. It's about nine pages or so, but it's full of really good, useful information, research articles, links to different things. We're going to be breaking that down in this episode, so make sure you follow along. Download your free guide at www.danceoflife.com slash fasting. One more time, that's danceoflife.com slash fasting. Now, you know, fasting has been a big part of my own life in the last couple of years, uh, both from a health perspective and from a mindfulness perspective, learning about myself, my own mind, my own awareness and sensitivity. And one of the big things that's taught me is that sometimes the best thing that you can do is what you don't do. You know, fasting is all about utilizing non-action to gain a new level of health, wellness, and mindfulness in our busy, busy modern lives. You know, we're so focused on doing more to win the race of life, so to speak, right? And What fasting teaches you, both in an intermittent practice and a full periodic practice, like a full day fast or two day fast or whatever, what these practices teach you is to win that race, that proverbial race, not through more of something, more effort, more power, more, you know, whatever energy, but through patience. You know, it's a very different kind of race. You know, you can't force the clock to go faster. So fasting has a lot of super valuable benefits. We're going to jump into that in this episode. You know, I'm so excited, guys. This is like a huge part of my life. And obviously nowadays, like I said, it's a super trendy topic. And I'm really excited to share a lot of powerful information. If you've ever wanted to do fasting, if you ever wanted to practice intermittent fasting, there's a lot of information out there. Make sure you do your homework, but my goal with this episode is to really empower you uh, to kind of do the homework for you, at least, you know, a good chunk of it to get you started. So make sure, again, you download that guide, www.danceoflife.com slash fasting, and follow along because there's a lot of comprehensive info to really get your practice started. And I do say it's a practice because every everybody's different, and as you'll learn, you know, uh, it's not, there's no cookie cutter mold for intermittent fasting, even though maybe some of the stuff you'll read out there, it seems like there's only one right way to do it and so on. So without further ado, I'm super excited to jump into this episode with you guys. If you like this episode, make sure you share it with your friends, anybody who's into intermittent fasting, who's already doing it, or maybe wants to learn. This is the perfect episode 
for them. Share it with your friends. You can also hit me up on Instagram at Tutor Alexander Official with what you got out of it. Any questions, I'm here for you as a fellow seeker in this practice. I'm here for you, so feel free to reach out to me. All that stuff is in the free guide at danceoflife.com slash fasting. So without all further ado, let's jump into this, how to practice fasting and intermittent fasting for a superstar life. Here we go. All right, guys. So very first thing I want to emphasize is that this is a practice. And what that means is that it will develop over time in your life. You know, you got to do your own research. You have to practice it, right? That's pretty self-evident. And you have to see what works for you. My own practice with fasting has adapted over the years. And you'll find what works for you. There's a lot of ways, as you'll soon learn, a lot of ways to implement this into your life. You know, fasting is very powerful, Uh, But it can also be dangerous if you don't know what you're doing, if you're following all the hype, if you're pushing your body in ways that maybe you shouldn't be pushing it uh, through this practice, then you may be doing more damage than good. Make sure that you start off slow. I'm going to emphasize this throughout this episode and throughout your free report. One more time, just for the heck of saying it, www.danceoflife.com slash fasting. Make sure you download that free report super valuable stuff in there. A lot of links to the things we're going to be talking about in this episode. But again, do your research. You know, this is designed to get you started, but everybody is different. Make sure you also are working with a functional medicine doctor. Uh, That's a kind, if you don't know what that is, that's a kind of doctor, you know, you may call them like a naturopath or a new age doctor, but it's a kind of doctor educated in a lot of alternative ways to heal your body, not just throw a pill at the problem, but they're going to look at the function, the overall integrated system of your body and how other things are affecting your current symptoms and situation and recommend all kinds of other treatments. So functional medicine doctor is super important to have in your life uh, because as you'll see, there's a lot of considerations. You know, you can't just jump into all kinds of crazy fasting routines, you know, without having some sense of where you're at with your stress levels, with your own biology, with how you metabolize fats, all kinds of other stuff we're going to jump into. So really quick, what is intermittent fasting? Well, intermittent fasting is a very broad term. If if you've kind of done a little bit of homework or you've read about it, you've probably heard of like 16-8 or 5-2, you know, these different types of numbers. And what does that mean? So 16-8 is, that refers to an eating window type of fast. And we're going to get into the different types of fast. So there's, you know, there's about four when it comes to food. So very, I'm going to back up here. Fasting is a beautiful practice because it's very broad, right? So you can fast from sex. You can fast from people. You can fast from politics, from your phone. People in Silicon Valley are doing dopamine fasts because they're so, strung up on notifications that they literally need to reset their brains, their dopamine levels, so they isolate themselves for a few days. That's a fast from dopamine. So fasting is really just reaping the wards of space and restriction, right? So we are living in the uh, a desensitizing society right now. Everything around you is about constant stimulation, your food, your diet, the information you consume, all the crap that's coming into our heads and minds and bodies is oversensitizing us. 
So I think fasting is more important than ever. I mean, it's been around for thousands of years for this exact reason, that it, it resensitizes you. It gives whatever you're tr- abstaining for, from the chance to heal. You know, if you have sex every day, it loses its magic. You know, if you do it every other day or, you know, if you wait, if you have a long distance relationship, man, by the time you see each other, you, you, you're crazy for each other, right? So the same thing is with food. The same thing is with, you know, information. Uh, binge watching a show, if you, if you have that anticipation, if you're building the space between, there's a lot of value to that. And, and, and we're going to break that down in a second. There's physical values, benefits, and also spiritual benefits too. But when it comes to food fasting, there's about four different types of fasts and intermittent fasts and all this kind of stuff. That's how we're going to break it down. So the first one is weekly and periodic fasts. What that means, that's kind of the traditional understanding of fasting, which is basically you abstain from food. You, you drink only water and tea uh, for a period of time. So whether that's a day or whether that's two days, some people, you know, go as far. I have a friend who did an 11-day water fast recently. I'm like, man, that's some like, you know, high-level shaman shit right there. I don't even know how. I can't even be, I haven't worked my way up to that. The longest I've done is two days. But either way, it's some sort of periodic fast. So those are utilized either throughout the year, right? So let's say you do a two-day water fast twice a year or something like that, a one-day water fast every three months. Some people do the 5-2 method, which is eat five days, fast two days during the week. Uh, I don't think that's very effective, but we'll get into that. So that's that's the periodic or weekly fast. Then you have a daily window type fasting, which is kind of the other idea of intermittent fasting, which is basically you choose a window of time in the day that you're going to eat. And then the rest of that window, you don't eat. So 16-8 means eight-hour eating window throughout the day. So let's say you start at, uh, you know, whatever, 10 o'clock in the morning, and then you finish at 6 p.m. So in that window of time, you can eat, you know, what you're eating, but then outside of that window, you don't eat, you're fasting. So that the idea of that, you know, that's basically it, it limits the time that you eat so that it's, it's, it's the same every day. We'll get into all the reasons why you would do that. Uh, there's also a reduced calorie or fasting mimicking. Uh, this is kind of like a calorie, calorie restriction approach. Uh, so there's been a lot of research done by a lot of people. One of them predominantly is named Dr. Walter Longo in his book, The Longevity Diet, which I link in the in the free guide, the report that goes with this episode. Make sure you check that out. It's a great book. It details a lot of research that he did on initially on cancer patients and basically with fasting and how a two to three day water fast uh, allowed them to get like a 75% improvement from their chemotherapy. Like it was very drastic. So he started to realize the impact of fasting and how it creates this self-protective mechanism on the body. It enters like this self-preservation mode and allows basically the cancer cells to be targeted uh, by the chemotherapy and the regular cells to be protected. So it's very interesting work. You know, he also talks about different types of diets and you study different centenarian populations. So very interesting stuff, but he also created a program we'll talk about a little bit later, which is called Prolon. It's like a fasting mimicking. So basically when you reduce your calorie intake to about 500 calories a day for several days, it can kind of trigger the same benefits as fasting. 
Uh, so you're mimicking fasting, and that's that's that was the birth of the fasting mimicking diet that was also in detailed in the book. So check it out. I link it in the report, but that's another approach to it, um, and we'll we'll break down the the actual program that he created that you can buy a little bit later in the episode. Uh, and then the final kind of food-based fast is like a protein or carb type of fast. And similar to calorie restriction, this is basically when you reduce your total protein for a day out of the week, or maybe two max, to kind of trigger uh, the same feeling, like your, your body's like in starvation mode, so it starts to reset, it starts to do different things. So you're basically you know, removing or really reducing protein or carbs uh, for, you know, one or two days of the week. So why would you fast? More importantly, you know, now that we've kind of gone over these different types of fasts, and like I said, there's a lot of ways to do this, and that's the beauty of it. You know, fasting is really just restriction. So this is where understanding why you're fasting is the most important reason, because there is no right, quote-unquote, way to do fasting in your life. You know, fasting is simply... I mean, you could fast, you know, fasting from our phones for an hour these days is like already, you know, I'm triggered because it's like I want to be on my phone and check notifications. We're so programmed. So there is no amount of fasting that you should be doing. So that's really important to get. We're going to get into some research later that tells you different sliding scales and what are some benchmarks that your body goes through as you fast from, let's say, a 12-hour period to a 72-hour period which will give you an idea of like, okay, you know, if I want to control my blood sugar, it would be good to fast for X amount of time. So understanding that really empowers you to make powerful decisions about why you're doing the time window that you're doing or the amount of fasting that you're doing, that kind of stuff. But understanding why is very important because there's several powerful reasons and being in tune with each one and being specific about why, you know, which one is most important to you, or if you have several, that's going to really help structure your practice. So one of the first reasons, especially with intermittent fasting, now this, when I say intermittent fasting, I mean the, the window, daily window fasting. So we'll just call it uh, that so we specify it. So intermittent fasting, daily window fasting, one of the main reasons why you would want to do that, the most immediate benefit, is to regulate your circadian rhythm. So what does that mean? So your circadian rhythm, if you don't know what that is, it's basically your body's on a clock. It's a very specific, finely tuned machine. And when you eat, when you sleep, when you do work, when you do whatever you do, you're programming your body clock to respond and to... Your body wants to be efficient. Your body wants to move through life in the most efficient way possible. So it's constantly adapting and learning. The problem is that we don't live, you know, in ancient times where the only source of light was the sun and it was just this predictable thing. Now we have blue light everywhere you go. You could be, you know, at two in the morning and you get blue light sources that telling your body that it's morning. You're eating at crazy times maybe because you're stressed out and you're working late at the office. You know, there's all kinds of things that are triggering your body to be in this confused, like, okay, I don't know if I should be sleeping or resting or fighting or flying, whatever, state. So your, our circadian rhythms are all off. Now, that's really devastating in the long run because, you know, I talk about this a lot through alignment. You know, alignment is everything. You know, alignment's not going to, if your tires are misaligned on your car, it's not going to crash in, 
the next five minutes. But over the long run, you're going to cause some serious damage. And that's the whole point with alignment, many misalignments in your body. Like if you have a misalignment in your spine or a misalignment in one of your joints, whatever, eventually you're going to create a lot of damage. The same is with your circadian rhythm. Your circadian rhythm is how your body's hormone secretions, processes, metabolism, all that stuff is aligned with the day. You know, if you're misaligned with that, then you're going to really suffer over the long run with your sleep, with your energy levels, with your hormones, with everything. So regulating your circadian rhythm is really important. And one of the best ways to do that is to do the same thing every day, meaning eating. Eating is one of the most powerful ways that we regulate our circadian rhythm and we tell our body, okay, it's, it's time to start. Okay, it's time to stop. So when you do a timed window, a daily window fasting and you choose, okay, I'm going to eat only from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. You're telling your body when food comes in and when it can rest. So this is very important because it starts to balance out your blood sugar and everything else that we're going to get into in the, in the next couple benefits. So that second benefit, first one's regulating circadian is regulating blood sugar. Why is that so important? Well, first off, you have to understand your blood sugar is it's not just about diabetes it's not just about you know any of these kind of other diseases you know blood sugar is the reflection of your life force you know when you're stressed out there is a stress response that accompanies you know a stressful situation an emotional situation and that stress response involves stress hormones like cortisol insulin and so on we're not going to do too much into that right now. But basically, when you're stressed out, you've heard about fight or flight. And what happens is that the body releases cortisol to manage that immediate threat. That's where your adrenaline rushes and you feel you're all revved up, ready to go. Well, if you actually had a danger that you needed to avoid, that was very useful because your body immediately has you know, blood sugar has energy, it breaks down tissue, and it's ready to go. So that's an emergency situation that's okay for the short term. The problem is, as you know, we live in a very stressful society where many of the things that we react to as if they were tigers and lions and bears, it is not actually the case, right? It's a bill. It's a text message from somebody that's breaking up with you or a client that's angry at you or somebody, you know, whatever, you know, another bill that came home that you didn't expect. You know, all these kind of things happen on a regular basis that elicit a stress response and get our hormones going, unexpected, you know, problems with technology, all that stuff. And especially if we haven't practiced managing our emotions, right? That's why in my book, The Gratitude Map, total shameless promotion, thegratitudemap.com. Go check it out. It's a free book, free course on how to manage your emotions, how to build a life of appreciation. Fasting is one of the 12 habits. It's the last habit that I write and talk about as a key to building that sense of appreciation, building that sense of mindfulness, controlling your emotions, self-discipline. It's all tied together, guys. You know, today we're talking about a lot of the physical aspects of fasting, and there will be, we're going to break down kind of the spiritual and, and emotional benefits. But you know, your ability to regulate your stress response is very important. And most of us are already stressed out and burned out and adrenal fatigue and all these things we're going to get into a little bit later when I talk about the impact of adrenal fatigue with fasting. So where most of us are already in that space, 
right? So one of the things that's very important that you'll talk to with your functional medicine doctor when you're looking to recover from burnout is to regulate your blood sugar. Because what happens, there's a whole cascade of things, but one of the things that, that stress response causes is eventually you start getting cravings, you start getting blood sugar crashes because your, your stress response you know, uh, pumped a ton of blood sugar into your body, then insulin kicks in to regulate that because you can't have a ton of blood sugar floating around. And then your blood sugar crashes, then you go for a sugary drink or another Red Bull, which also, you know, so all these things just keep adding and piling on and exacerbating the blood sugar issue. One of the things when you're looking to recover from stress, from a stressed out, burned out state, is to regulate your blood sugar. So fasting, intermittent fasting can help with that, uh, especially periodic fasting. So when we talk about fasting for 24 hours or 48 hours, it can help with that a lot because as you have a lot of stress, as you eat poorly, also in response to that, your insulin resistance starts to come up, meaning your cells and your body becomes more resistant to the effects of insulin because insulin keeps having to be pumped out to manage your blood sugar from all the stress that you're having. So you see, it's a whole cascade of, you know, stuff that happens. So your cells become insulin resistant, which is the next step is diabetes. So anyway, long story short, fasting is a great way to ease the body and the pancreas and give it a break so that your blood sugar can recover. Another reason that's related to this is managing your weight. You know, if you're controlling the window of time that you're eating every day, chances are that you're not going to overeat, right? We're going to get into that a little bit too as well because that's important. You know, just because you have an eight-hour window or a nine-hour window or a 10-hour window of eating, it doesn't mean that you should be eating garbage during that time. But regardless... There's two reasons why managing your weight through intermittent fasting is one of the benefits, is that when you pick your eating window, you're less likely to overeat, especially as we get into some of the ways that you should be doing fasting with, with a dietary changes, but intermittent fasting. But the other reason is timing. You know, if you're eating most of the time when you're eating crap and, and like late ice cream snack binges and all these cravings and stuff like that, that's where you really gain the weight. You do the most damage is when you're eating crap and you're eating crap at a really poor time. Like you're not going to be active. So all of it just turns to fat. Like that kind of habit over the course of time is it kills your weight and it kills your stress response. It kills your blood sugar response. So having a window of time when you're choosing to eat and not to eat really helps to delineate and separate and discipline that blood sugar. And of course, obviously as a result, your body weight. Another reason that intermittent fasting and periodic fasting is really useful, or maybe you'd want to do it, is to heal your digestive tract. This for me was a big one because I've had a lot of issues from stress that I've had to unpack over the last couple of years, and I've slowly put the puzzle pieces together of my own health puzzle. This is why I said you have to do your own research. Everybody's different, but stress will kill you. Stress will kill you. And one of the things that I've learned is that digestion is, you know, you can't rest and digest or fight and flight at the same time. Sounds very simplistic and obvious, but 
you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, you forget that until you start having digestive problems, which is what happened to me. And slowly I started to realize, okay, like the foods I'm eating, my stress response, all these things are contributing to really screwing my digestive tract. So one of the things that I incorporated or I did to help heal my digestive tract is to literally just give it a break. Intermittent fasting is good for that if you can give your colon a break for at least 12 hours a day. I mean, your your colons take a beating from everything that you're eating. You got to think you're constantly scraping the walls through the crap that you're putting in there, right? So, you know, and most of the time we don't chew our food as much as we should. So we just put a lot of stress and pressure on our colons. Combine that with the fact that you're not really eating mindfully. Usually most of the time you're rushing through your lunch. It doesn't give your, cha- your body a chance to really rest and start digesting. We're off to the next thing. Eating is not a priority. Just go, go, go. Fill that stomach up. Move. You know, get stressed out. Get in arguments. Start being active while you're, you know, a little bit after eating. Like all these practices together, overall what they spell is just disaster for our digestion. Combine it with the fact that most of us have low stomach acid. That was me. If you have low stomach acid, uh, you know, that's going to be a huge problem that adds to and compounds your stress response because your stress response kind of takes your digestion offline. On top of the fact, if you have low stomach acid, and there's ways to find that out, uh, your functional medicine doctor can help you with that. There's a Heidelberg test, it's called. You can take a pill, and it kind of analyzes your stomach acid. But, you know, you can also just take uh, hydrochloric acid supplements and see, you know, how you do. But anyway, do that with your doctor. Most people have that issue these days, and combine it again with the stress, we're not digesting. So the body is just fermenting all this food, giving a chance to, you know, nasty bacteria, parasites, all these kind of things to get in there and cause inflammation. Most of the time we're eating foods that cause inflammation, like a lot of dairy and wheat and all these things we shouldn't be eating. So overall, your digestive tract is getting a beating. And when you can let it pause for at least 12 hours a day through intermittent fasting, that is a huge, huge benefit to yourself in the long run. Uh, and also through periodic fasting, if you're doing like a, a full day fast, 24 hours or 48 hours, that's a great way to let the colon reset and heal and, you know, kind of reset the the flora and all the stuff that's going on there. So it's a very, very important reason. Tied to that and in, in the line with this, as you can see, as we're going through these reasons, you know, like regulate blood sugar, uh, regulate circadian rhythm, manage your weight, heal the digestive tract. As we're going through these, you can see that the benefits become longer, more longer term, right? So regulating your circadian rhythm, this is something you can do whether you have a 10-hour eating window or 12-hour eating window, an 8-hour eating window, like whatever. You're regulating your rhythm. You don't need a specific window of time to regulate. It's just about doing it the same thing every day. And, you know, like healing your digestive tract, you're going to get a lot more benefit doing for example, like a, a 24-hour fast or a 48-hour fast, occasionally, every maybe every three months, every six months. That's some of the stuff you'll, again, in that book, Longevity Diet by Dr. Walter Longo, it's linked in the report, in the guide. Uh, he details all that stuff. But basically, you know, when you can take a break for like a day or two, that's going to really promote autophagy and healing of the colon lining and all these kind of stuff. So the fifth reason is to promote longevity. And that's kind of the main thing why fasting has become such a 
trend, I think, right now, intermittent fasting and keto and all these different things. You know, it's like autophagy. You know, you hear about autophagy and self-eating. You know, your body is recycling itself and, and rejuvenating and recycling all this kind of stuff. All that stuff is true. And it's based in research. It is very true. And of course, you know, all the other benefits we talked about, like regulating your blood sugar, you know, managing your weight, all these things. It just in general, like the, the long-term impact of having some sort of fasting practice is very useful. Because again, we live in a desensitizing society. I mean, you could say that even having constant phone addiction and dopamine depletion through through the constant stimulus of your phone is not good for your mental health in the long run. And they're actually finding that, you know, this new generation of kids growing up. Uh, you know, it's depressing. I see these kids, they're, you know, freaking you know, five, six years old and they're on iPads already just walking around. It's like, man, you know, by the time they're my age, 35, I don't even know, you know, there's going to be some serious mental health issues. But the point is fasting over the long period will promote longevity, will help you with discipline, will help you with a lot of different benefits. But understanding exactly why you're doing what you're doing is very important because there's a lot of benefits to longevity. If you're looking to get autophagy going and, you know, allow your body to, you know, recycle all the used parts, it's not going to happen with a 12-hour eating window. You know, after 12 hours, you barely get into ketosis. So, it's like if, you, if you're thinking that, oh, I'm really promoting autophagy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, it's not based on research. You know, the research shows if you really want autophagy, it's after at least 24 hours of fasting. So if, if that's your benefit, then maybe do that a couple times a year, a, a full water fast. And then throughout the, throughout the year, as you're doing daily fast, intermittent fasting, you know, pick a window of time that's sustainable. That's what I do. So I do both. I do the, the water only fast, you know, like once or twice a year. And then for a period of like two days, and then I do daily intermittent fasting with a timed eating window of about 10 hours or so. So you really have to figure out, okay, I'm doing this for this reason and this for that reason. Don't just follow the hype. And yeah, I'm going to restrict my eating window to eight hours a day and be miserable. And you know, it's like, just know why you're doing it and know that as long as you're giving your body at least a 12 hour break, you're doing good. The final reason is to develop spiritually. And this is probably, in my opinion, the most important because fasting has been one of the most time-honored practices for dis uh, developing discipline, focus, appreciation, spirituality. You know, again, there's so many ways to fast from all these kind of different things. In my book, The Gratitude Map, I talk about financial fasts. I talk about all kinds of different things that I learned, you know, and how you can apply the principle of restriction into your life in different ways, not just through food. But through food, you know, food is a basic fundamental need of life. And when you don't have the ability to eat, when you can't eat, and you have to restrict yourself, and you get hungry, that hunger pulls your attention to the present moment. And let me tell you, you are in that present moment, man, and there's no way out of it. So it's a great tool to bring you to the present moment to appreciate, you know, when you, even when you drink your tea, if it's, if it's a little bit of tea and you're drinking it, man, like that's like the most amazing thing in the world. So that restriction resensitizes you. It brings you back in your senses. You know, th there's just a fundamental rule with 
human beings and with our senses, with everything. And that's this rule of desensitization. When you are hungry and you have a craving, let's say you have some chocolate, and it's, the first bite is the most amazing thing in the world. But by the third or fourth bite, eh, we're bored of it already. And that is just messed up, you know, but that is reality. You know, that desensitization happens with everything. It happens with relationships. You know, we say the honeymoon stage, and then you're an old married couple. It happens with a job. It happens with a new project, a new goal. We tend to be excited, and then we get desensitized, and then the boring, quote-unquote, and mundane hits us. So if you want to be successful in life, if you want to have a good marriage, you want to have a good business, you want to have, you want to be an athlete, you want to, you know, be successful at your job, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's going to require you to be able to, to go through that period after the honeymoon phase. The people who make it through that period and who can fall in love with the day-to-day, who can fall in love with the mundane, who can get themselves excited about repetition, who can develop whatever they're doing into a practice rather than constantly looking for the bells and whistles to entertain themselves, those are the people who are successful. And that's why there's not that many people who are successful at a high level, because it requires this exact skill. And fasting is a perfect way to teach you how to do that, because fasting develops discipline. It develops mindfulness. It develops the ability to appreciate, to go slow, to utilize patience, And to focus, you know, patience, I say screw patience, you know, patience is, is not about sitting there doing nothing and suffering. Patience is not about that. Patience is about focus. If you really want to get down to it, what patience really is, is your ability to focus. It's your ability to narrow in on what you're doing. So, you know, patience is not being passive and rolling over. It is about focusing, you know, so when you're patient, it means that you're not allowing your focus to be distracted in a different area and get panic mode and freak out or whatever. It is about saying, okay, this, I'm hungry right now, but I'm going to focus on the present moment. I'm going to focus on my breath. I'm going to focus on positive stuff. We're going to get into that in a little, just a little bit. And what are some, you know, techniques that you can use, but it's about focus. And that's why fasting is so powerful. The first couple times is hard, even with intermittent fasting, like I said, you know, start slow. We're going to get into how to practice this in just like two minutes here. But remember that as you do it, as it develops as life practice, it's going to hone your mind. And that has benefits for everything else in life. I say develop spiritually. That doesn't mean necessarily like religiously or anything else. It's really just your character your values, your focus, your mind, all these things are so important for your success. So that's why it's become a huge part of my life. I think that having regular periods of restriction are very important to maintaining not only just your longevity, like your physical longevity, and that's been proven through science. I mean, there's there's been so much research on that. But really, by having your longevity and what you're doing, you know, with your life, with your relationships, with everything, like you have to build in restriction. You know, we live in a land of plenty. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're you're somewhere where you have access to technology and goods and services and all these things, you know, so you live a blessed life. No matter how shitty your day is right now, you live a blessed life. There's somebody out there guaranteed that would kill to have your life today. 
So you got to remind yourself that. And that's a great thing. And not that somebody's having a shitty day, but that you have access to this abundant life through all the things we have. But there's a cost to that. There's a hidden cost. And that cost to that freedom and abundance is to be desensitized. And then you lose your ability to appreciate. You know, what is beautiful and novel and inspiring quickly becomes old news if we don't have mindfulness and sensitivity. So that's why fasting is so, so important for your life. So those are the reasons to practice fasting. Again, I'm going to go over them one more time. You know, one of them is to regulate your circadian rhythm, regulate your blood sugar, manage your weight, heal the digestive tract, promote longevity, and develop yourself spiritually. Know why you're doing it. Whatever the reason, there's no right reason, but you have to have a reason to do it so that you know why you're doing the restriction, not just because somebody said, hey, you got to do 16-8 if you want to do autophagy and all this BS. Like that's, you have to know why you're doing it so you can customize your practice. So now, how to practice intermittent fasting, the, the daily window fasting. So we're going to look at two types. We're going to look at intermittent fasting, meaning the daily window eating type. And then we're going to talk about like periodic fasting, like the 24 hours or greater. You know, we're going to break down some different techniques for that. So first is how to practice intermittent fasting. Again, look at your free guide with this. There's a lot of great, you know, resources there and and advice and research. But first is you want to pick an eating window that's reasonable for your schedule. Again, don't buy the hype that says 16-8 is the best way to do intermittent fasting. Like that's nonsense. Again, everything's on a sliding scale in your body. So at the very least, after 12 hours, your body starts producing ketones, which start burning fat, and you start getting the benefits of fasting. That's why when you go for a blood test, they say fasting for at least 12 hours, because that's when your body starts to really kick into fasting gear. So, you know, for some people, like for me, I'll give you an example with my schedule, with being an athlete, and the the type of athlete that I am, you know, I practice in the morning, and I, I practice for about two and a half hours of high intensity exercise. But sometimes I have to also work late to be, you know, I have to be doing my stuff at 8.30 at 9 o'clock at night. So it doesn't work for me to have an eight-hour eating window. It's just impossible. I mean, just like I can't exercise on nothing, right? And then let's say I'm my, eat, my eating window is from like 10 to 6 if it's eight hours. Well, if I'm still working at like 8.30, then you're just setting yourself up for failure because when you don't plan, right? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. That's, I forget who said that, but I think it's Benjamin Franklin, maybe not. Anyway, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So the point is, if, if you don't plan for your actual life, like in this case, and it happened to me, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go hard, you know, I'm going to really rock this fasting shit. Like, here we go. I'm going to put, you know, eight hours and get autophagy, you know, type A personality. I'm going to win this thing, right? That was my initial approach. And it doesn't work because fasting, as you'll soon find out in your experience, it's not a race that you can win with more effort. It's a race you win with patience and with calculation and planning and, and being smart. Right, So if I say to myself that I'm done eating at 6 and I'm still working at 8.30, then you're just screwing yourself because you're exhausted and then you're going to cheat and then you're throwing your clock off anyway. So it's better to do something sustainable and and do it forever 
than to try to do some crazy result and and crash after like a week and burn yourself out. So pick an eating window that is reasonable for your schedule. My suggestion is to start with 12 hours and work your way up to, you know, eight, nine, 10. You do it like one hour less each week and see how you feel, right? I don't think going less than eight hours is sustainable or healthy for most people. Again, everything's on a sliding scale, and there's some articles in your report, in your guide. Again, danceoflife.com slash fasting, if you missed it. There's some research there that really tells you the different stages of fasting. Everything's in stages, right? So after 12 hours, your body is in ketosis to start doing some light ketosis, uh, meaning your body's producing ketones, which trigger your body to burn fat instead of carbs, you know, for energy. That's where the whole keto diet kicks in. And, and that's the whole point of the MCT oil and all the other stuff that will break down. But ketones are a very important part of fasting. They also feed your brain. So that's a lot of the mental energy where that comes from and so on. But if you really want to like do autophagy, or let's say get a huge reduction in your insulin, the biggest reduction happens from 18 hours to 24 hours of fasting. So what that means is that your eight-hour eating window, like there's not that much more of a benefit of, let's say, having an eight-hour window versus a 10-hour window or even like an 11-hour window. Like there's just, it's not like, oh my God, I'm getting all this autophagy going. Like it's not, like that's a misconception. Everything's on a sliding scale. And if you really want to kick those benefits, like the high level, you know, regeneration and autophagy and insulin reduction, all that stuff starts to kick in after a full day of fasting. So don't beat yourself up about those eating windows. Like I said, start with 12 hours and, you know, work your way down by an hour each week, see how you feel. I would say, you know, for me, I do about 10 hour eating window and I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. It keeps my circadian rhythm going. I, it gives my, my colon a break right? It gives your body a break from digesting all the time. And that's good enough. Over the long course of your life, guys, that's a huge benefit to just let your body relax and not eat at random times, surprise it with some heavy ass meal at night, but just allow it to take a break. So that's number one, pick an eating window that's reasonable for your schedule. Number two, this is where we talked about adjusting your diet and particularly adjusting your carb intake. If you want to do intermittent fasting, one of the most important things to realize is that you aren't going to eat for a longer period of time than you are eating, right? So the window that you're eating usually is going to be shorter than the window that you're fasting, meaning you have a great chance to get hungry. And most of the time, you'll be probably a little bit hungry before you go to bed, but you know, it's not going to be overwhelming. The key is to adjust your carb intake throughout that eating window. So this is where the keto diets become really popular, where the emphasis is more on fats and reducing carbs, replacing the calories you get from carbs with more healthy fats, lean proteins, lots of vegetables, fiber, all that good stuff. So why that's important is because if you are like most people and you're eating a lot of carbs and spiking your blood sugar as a result, you know, everything that goes up has to come down. So the greater it goes up, the harder it comes down. That makes sense, right? So with your blood sugar, remember, just like stress response, you know, a, a shitty diet where you're eating a lot of carbs, a lot of sugars, a lot of sweets, 
will contribute to ups and downs in your blood sugar, which are not very healthy. So the moment you decide to restrict your eating, and you're still eating like that, you're still eating sugars and all these different things, well, I can guarantee you're going to crash and you're going to be so hungry during your non-eating window that you're going to fail at your practice. So in general, it's not healthy to eat a lot of carbs all the time. You know, even if you're doing high-intensity training, it's important to balance your carbs and and not spike your blood sugar so much. So, you know, that's where this whole keto diet comes in play. And again, do your own research. This is not going to be a dissertation on the keto diet, but just keep in mind that balance is the key. I personally get about 55% of my calories from fats. You know, you've I've read some really extreme stuff out there like the bulletproof diet and things like that where it's like 70% of your calories from uh, fat, you know, and that that's absurd to me. And first off, you know, you have to do a lot of research. We're going to get into that, some considerations on how to adjust this to your own lifestyle because how you respond to fats is important. What's your inflammation level? Uh, you know, what do your genes say about your fats? You know, all this kind of stuff. So it's very important to know your own body before you jump head on into some crazy keto diet because that's really all the rage right now. But in general, reduce the amount of carbs you eat you know, eat healthy carbs like rice, squash, all this kind of stuff, but increase olive oil, avocado oil, avocados, grass-fed butter, grass-fed ghee, coconut oil, uh, MCT oil, within reason, we're going to talk about that. But these are healthy fats that will help keep you satiated and reduce the spiking up and down of your blood sugar so that when you do get hungry, it's a lot slower, it's a lot less, you know, impactful and there's not so much stress on your pancreas to produce insulin all the time. It, it helps with insulin resistance, helps manage your blood sugar, and it helps keep your fast. Remember, it's not about, you know, scoring that seven-hour eating window. It's, it's not about that. It's about having, let's say, an 11-hour eating window or a 10-hour eating window, even a 12-hour eating window. But you do that every day. You're way ahead of somebody who's eating randomly throughout the day or eating, you know, a bunch of food late at night because they're crashing their sugar. Like, you're way ahead. So it's very important that it's about consistency. So make sure you adjust your carb intake so your blood sugar doesn't crash during your non-eating window. And, you know, eating better in general will help you maintain this practice of intermittent fasting. Because again, if you have an eight-hour eating window or a 10-hour eating window, but you're eating garbage in that time, like McDonald's and Cheetos and pizza, like you're not actually doing much for yourself. So really, again, everything's related. It's, that's why there's so many considerations. It's not just about the fasting. An intermittent fasting practice comes with a better diet. Make sure you rely on healthy fats, lean quality proteins like grass-fed proteins, collagen protein, wild-caught fish, uh, you know, these kinds of things, pasture-raised eggs, all these kind of stuff, and, and a, you know, a, a moderate, a minimal to moderate amount of carbs like rice, squash, all this stuff. This is where, again, working with a dietitian, a professional functional medicine doctor for your own specific needs and how to balance your own body based on where you're at right now, is very important because you can't just jump into an intermittent fasting routine and keep eating the crap that you're eating. It just doesn't work. So it goes together. So make sure you really do some research on that uh, on your own and talk with your doctor about how to really implement a more ketogenic... Uh, keto to me is just so freaking trendy, but 
you know, a more fat-based diet rather than carb-based diet. Another thing that you can do which will help is to extend your fast in the morning with a buttery drink. You know, this is something like the Bulletproof Coffee or the Keto Coffee. This is basically where you put like grass-fed butter and MCT oil in your morning coffee and you mix it up. And basically what the point of all this is to give you give your body some sort of sense that it's full, kind of like you're tricking it through the fat. But the fat, fat doesn't spike your blood sugar in the same way that carbs and protein do. So when you eat in the morning, you're signaling through that insulin response that, hey, it's a little click, like that means start, you know, cancel all the fasting benefits. We have food now. It's okay. So the hack, quote unquote, is to drink a drink that's zero calories in terms of the actual drink, like coffee doesn't have calories, but then to add butter to it and MCT oil to make your body feel full. The ketones from the MCT oil trigger your body to feel full and to not want to eat, although there's an asterisk there that we're going to break down really quick. It's not always like that. Uh, but either way, the point is that it extends your fast. It keeps you full and at least for another hour or two before you can actually eat breakfast a little bit later. So that's a good hack to utilize in the morning. So you're not just waking up and starving. You know, it's a little treat. It's delicious in the morning. A couple considerations with this. Okay. If you metabolize caffeine slowly, and how do you know this? You check your genes. This is going to be one of the things we'll talk about. Um, if you suffer from adrenal fatigue or you're sensitive to coffee, then make sure that you get decaf or you use some tea. I personally use golden milk, turmeric. Uh, it's just basically like a turmeric, you know, thing with sometimes they put like black pepper or ashwagandha. There's all kinds of different things out there. You have to do your research, see which one you want, but it's like a golden milk powder. And, uh, I mix it with grass fed butter. And it's absolutely delicious. It doesn't have any caffeine, and it's it's just amazing. I also put uh, a little bit of monk fruit extract to sweeten it. Monk fruit extract has no calories, has no insulin response, at least from most of the research I've read. So basically, it's like a sweetener. It's a natural sweetener that can sweeten your drink without any insulin response. Again, remember guys, the point is to not spike your insulin because that takes you out of the fasting state. And in general, you know, spiking your insulin with like a high carb breakfast, like for example, yogurt, sugary yogurt and granola and fruit. That's like the worst thing you can have for breakfast. So don't eat that in the morning. Eat protein if you're gonna eat breakfast, like eggs, uh, you know, some butter, something, you know, some fat, something to really give your body some nutrition and to hold you over for a while. But if you're sensitive to dairy, casein, uh, like in you know milk, butter, all this kind of stuff, which I actually don't eat dairy. I just eat grass-fed butter because it's very nutritious. Um, but if you're sensitive to that, you can also try ghee or coconut oil. Uh, if you're sensitive to turmeric, like I said, you know you can use like a different non-caffeinated tea, like rooibos tea is really good. I love rooibos tea or chamomile, whatever else. Make a ritual out of it and and utilize these different fats to kind of hold you over for another hour or two, and that will help extend your window. So that's a little hack that you can implement. Again, you have to do your research and see what works for you. You know, there's a lot of different considerations. With the MCT oil, a lot of people say that, oh, MCT oil raises your ketones, and ketones trigger your body to go in fat-burning mode so you're not hungry. Well, not exactly, because there's a lot of research that shows that MCT oil actually increases 
your ghrelin, which is the hormone responsible for hunger, and it stimulates another substance in your body called neuropeptide Y, which basically what all adds up to is that MC2L can make you hungry. I personally found this out through my own experimentation. I was getting hungrier and hungrier in the morning after using, I was like, man, this is supposed to keep me for like, you know, a couple hours, but I'm like literally getting hungry an hour after having a cup of turmeric, you know, the golden milk with like literally two tablespoons of butter and a tablespoon of MCT oil. It's a lot of fat, you know, that's like 45 grams of fat. Uh, you know, obviously the MCT oil burns up really quickly, but still, you know, 30 grams of fat is pretty, pretty dense, you know, little drink. And to be hungry an hour later, I was like, what's going on? So I did the research and apparently MC2 oil increases ghrelin and hunger and appetite. And they've they've even used it in research on people suffering from anorexia. So pretty interesting stuff. You know, it's not everything what you hear is accurate. So just be careful. MC2 oil also makes you crap your pants. So make sure you start off slow with that. Don't eat too much of it. I do about a tablespoon. I've worked my way up and I just do it once a day. You know, I don't think you need to do it go crazy with it. Again, everything in balance, everything in moderation. Uh, a final warning about MCT oil, and I'm going to link this article in your report, in your guide, is that uh, I read a research article about a guy who, there's a gene, again, this is why knowing yourself is so important. There's a gene called the VDR gene, which uh, is vitamin D receptor, and it regulates your vitamin D absorption and how it basically functions in your body. So normally you're supposed to take vitamin D in the morning, uh, not late at night because it can keep you up. So if you're drinking MCT oil and you're also taking vitamin D supplement at the same time and you have a particular type of vitamin D receptor mutation that you absorb it really quickly is what I remember, but you can check it out. It, you know, Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. And if you take MCT oil, that gets burned up really quickly. It gets absorbed really quickly. So it can upregulate and, and accelerate vitamin D, and it can basically create a situation where you have too much floating around in your body, which at one given time, which will cause heart palpitations. So crazy stuff. You know, you don't, you don't ever hear about that stuff, but uh, that didn't happen to me. My particular VDR gene, I actually have kind of a deficiency in that. So I need to take more vitamin D than regular. But something to keep in mind. Again, not everything is black and white. Yeah, MCT oil. You see everybody raving about MCT oil and everybody just putting MCT oil in everything now. But again, do your research. It's very, very important. Um, a couple of considerations that you can also remind yourself and, and really this these guys these next considerations that I'm going to share with you super super important okay so first one is again find a functional medicine doctor work with somebody you trust they're going to be able to guide you and to help you navigate this complex world because the way I see it is we have to be our own doctors doctors don't even if it's a really good freaking doctor they're not going to have the time to sit there with you like in the old days for an hour and to you know, go through everything in your life all the time. But, you know, they still care. So the point is, once you find that good doctor, you got to do your own research and be in concert. You got to be like partners. You, know, you got to present them with, hey, here's what's going on. I took some of these tests. Like, what do you think? Okay, you like do your own actions, do your own research and really take control because you have to be your own doctor and work as a partner with somebody you really trust uh, so that you can guide through your health journey. And again, these are all considerations. 
if you have that VDR issue and you take MCT oil thinking that, oh, I'm getting ketones and, you know, autophagy and all this kind of stuff, and then you start getting heart palpitations, it's like, whoa, you know, not everything is what you think it is. You have to know yourself. Second thing to know is know your response to fats. This is very important because, again, if you want to do intermittent fasting, it kind of comes with making sure you have dietary changes that support a very long non-eating window. And that means eat more fat, eat less carbs. But you have to know, again, some of these diets like the Bulletproof Diet, Dave Asprey recommends like 70% or more of your calories from fat, which I think is absurd. I think it's way too much. I don't think you need that much. But you should have a lot more fat in your diet than the average sad or standard American diet is. You know, we eat carbs, carbs, carbs all the time, and that's just constantly spiking your blood sugar and causing all kinds of problems. So the best way to keep tabs on your fat is through a nuclear magnetic resonance lipoprofile. That sounds like a lot of crazy words, but it's basically just an advanced fat test, an advanced lipid profile, which really gives your doctor an idea of how you're responding to an increased fat-based diet. So that's something to do after maybe like a month, you know, or five or six weeks of doing a little more increase in fat in your diet and changing your diet up to a little more vegetables, more animal protein, whatever, lean proteins, if you're vegetarian, uh, you know, having more fats, all that kind of stuff. So making sure that you do that for a couple of weeks and then get one of those lipid profiles to see how is your body responding to it little too much information, but if you start crapping yourself, if your stools become really loose, you're eating too much fat, right? So that's another thing too. So make sure, again, everything in moderation, starting slow, steady, and sustainable. Uh, another thing is to monitor your inflammation and the sources of inflammation in your life. One thing that I've done uh, a lot is testing. You know, I, I, I'm a huge believer in testing and monitoring everything that you're doing because ultimately the body is a complex machine and we take everything for granted until it doesn't work anymore. So don't wait till that point. Take the reins of your health. You know, intermittent fasting is not just about deciding, oh, I'm not going to eat for, you know, 14 hours a day and then just going ham. Like you really got to be responsible because again, if you're eating a higher fat diet, and you have high inflammation in your body, that's a recipe for heart attack. The higher fat is not the problem. It's all the whole picture of your inflammation. If you're eating foods that inflame you, if you're allergic to dairy, if you're allergic to gluten, if you're having an immune response to gluten, which most people do, if you have food sensitivities, if your microbiome you know, is messed up, if you have parasites, if you have all the you know, homocysteine, C-reactive protein, all these things, I talk a little bit more about it in the report, but... They're useful to keep track of so you understand the whole picture. Again, the functional picture. That's why a functional medicine doctor will help you uh, to see what's going on with your body because slamming a bunch of fat when you're super inflamed is just a, not a good idea. So managing the inflammation should be the priority. And that's why I said fasting is not for everybody. You have to know what your stress level is. You have to know where your inflammation is and treat that first before jumping into crazy fasting regimes and intermittent fasting windows and, and high-fat diets and all this stuff. Like, there's so much information out there, and it seems so trendy and cool, and, oh, my gosh, I want to be like how these guys are being, but you have to look at your own body, you know? And another point of that is know your blueprint, which is the, the genetic testing. I recommend Self-Decode. Self-Decode is a super, super comprehensive 
like a gene analysis tool. I you can pay like fifty bucks a year. I paid the two hundred for lifetime access, and you get a ton of different reports on how your genetic predisposition is to absorbing fats, minerals, nutrients, uh, stress, all kinds of different things, mental factors, cognitive factors, you know, heart uh, issues. So all those things will give you some extra tools to understand, okay, like if I have a predisposition to have a heart attack or whatever based on, you know, lipid management, then I need to be really careful about how I implement this keto diet you know, and make sure that I manage my inflammation. Again, these are all things that you do and you and you work with your functional medicine doctor to create a powerful solution that's, that's custom for you. Uh, another thing too, final thing, consideration with this whole dietary aspect of inter- intermittent fasting, the daily aspect, is to keep tabs on your nutrients. Uh, what does that mean? So there's a lot of different ways to test blood these days, especially on Facebook, I'm seeing like, Bayes and all these things that, you know, Bayes is a company that, you know, it sends you a little test and you do a blood test and it tells you, oh, you've got, you know, magnesium and calcium and all stuff. But let me tell you something. The problem with those tests is they look at the wrong area. There's only so much that your blood is going to tell you. And I should say red blood cells, you know, in the serum, because your blood is trying to be perfect. You have to understand if your blood is screwed, then you're screwed. So, most of the time, the stuff we see in the blood is not going to be an accurate representation of the tissues of the whole body picture. That's why you do something that looks at the whole body picture. And one of the best ways to do that is through a spectra cell nutrient array. Spectra, spelled S-P-E-C-T-R-A-C-E-L-L. Spectra cell. So spectra cell is a very unique, been around forever, but they're a unique type of lab test where they look at your lymphocytes, it's your white blood cells, and they grow them in a petri dish with different nutrients to evaluate, you know, your your actual body stores and stuff. You can read about it. I linked it. I'm not going to go too much into detail. It's a very powerful test, but it gives you an idea of several key nutrients, your antioxidant levels, your, uh, you know, mineral levels, your amino acids, all these different things that will give you a whole picture of like, okay, you know, again, if I'm going to change my diet up, if I'm going to not eat, you know, one of the biggest risk factors is malnutrition. So you want to know what you're dealing with and so you can make informed decisions. And really, again, consistency. It's all about all these things. It sounds like a lot, but again, you're, this is not like I'm going to fast for two weeks and try intermittent fasting. This is about a life's practice. And it's a life's practice that will reward you in so many ways, with discipline, with a healthy body, with a strong mind, you know, but in order to do that, you have to commit to it for life. You know, if that's if that's scary, then you got to look at that because, you know, to commit to this, to commit to this practice is about understanding all the different things that go into it. And so, you know, make sure you really keep tabs on your diet, know where you're at with your genes, with your nutrients, all that stuff is very important for the longevity of what you're looking to do. Okay, so mouthful on all that intermittent fasting stuff. We're going to jump to you know, periodic fasting. How do you do that? So periodic fasting is when you're water fasting for 24 hours at least, uh, one to two days. If you're doing more than two days, be careful. It could be dangerous. You need training. You need supervision. Uh, you need to work up to it. Practice. Like, trust me, like the difference between one day and two days is monstrous. So, you know, if you're, tr- if you're looking at three or four days, like that's, that's some high level shit. So do not 
just jump into this. It's all about starting slow, and that's going to teach you so much spiritually and and character-wise. It's taught me an enormous amount. I still have a lot to learn. Like I said, like my friend that did an 11-day fast, I mean, that's like some shaman-level stuff. But you don't have to do that. I think if you can do one day, if you can get through one day without eating, that's a huge win. If you can do that every three to six months, like Walter Longo suggests that if you can do a fast, a water-only fast, you know, like every six months if you're healthy, you're in good shape. You're, you're giving your body a chance to kind of reset. And that's why I said I did my little fasting with friends, meetup group around the soul system. I'm going to start doing that you know, twice a year. And it was just, it was fun. We did it for two days. It was hard as hell. The second day was like, man, that was some hard shit. But the point is that you can fast for at least a day and get a lot, most of the benefits. You don't need to fast for two days. But one thing that you really have to do before you do anything is prepare yourself. You know, when you do a a fast like this, when you're looking to commit to it for a full day, plan ahead and prepare yourself mentally. That's the first piece of advice I can give you because the 24-hour period of not eating is going to shock your body in a way that if you've never done it before, at least not intentionally, it's going to shock your body and it's going to be a very different kind of experience. So plan ahead. Make sure that you start at night. So let's say you start at like 9 o'clock at night or something, you stop eating or 8 o'clock. That way, the next night, if you need to break your fast early, well, technically it would still be 24 hours, but if you want to be a superstar, wait till six in the morning, seven in the morning, the next morning, and then break your fast. That'd be a day and a half. But if you need to break your fast, technically you still last a 24 hours. So start at night. That way you can break it at night. Um, plan ahead. You know, make sure that you're not going to be stressed out. Make sure you have a low key day, not a busy day. Like make sure, again, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Uh, start slow. You know, you can try a couple of things to do with this. You know, if 24 hours is too much, a lot of religions actually have done like a daytime fast, you know, and they break their fast at night. Uh, like in the Islam traditions, they do that a lot. You know, in my own faith tradition, I was Eastern Orthodox. I grew up, I'm not so much practicing now, but like a black fast where you fast throughout the day, but then at night you break your fast. So there's there's a lot of techniques to do that. So you can try that first. That's a good way to warm up to it and see how you respond to restriction, how you respond to being hungry. You know, fasting is going to really help restructure your relationship to food. So, you know, you want to warm up slowly to see where where's your baseline psychologically. You know, it's it's not easy to deal with not having food. And if it's the first time you've ever done it, it's not something you want to jump into full on and try to win at. So another thing is try to recruit your friends you know, if, if they say yes, but the crazy ones will follow along. So, you know, like I said, I started the fasting with friends meetup group and where we we basically do the practice together. We stay in touch throughout the two days. We break the fast together. When we're finished, we have little zoom calls. Uh, It really helped solidify the lessons of the experience because we're, we're conversing with each other. We're sharing, we're there to support each other throughout the challenge. So if you can do that in your own circle, uh, that's really powerful because especially if you're doing two days, even one day, I mean, it's, you know, having that support, having those friends, it really helps to integrate the experience. Remember that one of the most important ones, I think, if not the most important, is your spiritual and character development. So when you have a chance to integrate, to talk about it, to share, to converse with your friends, that's when the magic happens and when the biggest lessons are revealed. So recruit your friends. Uh, number four, as far as another kind of tips to doing 
a full water fast, a full day water fast or two days, is avoid anything that's going to rev you up, right? So like that means caffeine, stress, stimulation, uh, excessive work, exercise, hot showers, jacuzzi, supplements, drugs, smoking, anything that's going to raise your energy. I mean, it's pretty self-evident. Fasting is about withdrawal. It's about slowing down, tuning into yourself, you know, allow yourself to go slow, good to go day by day, to go minute by minute, you know, allowing yourself to use these substances or these experiences like caffeine and, you know, working out excessively, like you're just setting yourself up for failure. So again, it's is a race that you win slowly and with focus, not with more energy. Uh, stay hydrated and listen to your body, you know, drink water, don't drink too much, make some tea, non-caffeinated tea, make a ritual out of it. You know, I love sitting with my tea. It helps to kill the time, especially it's hot. So you can drink it slowly. Um, avoid zero calorie sweeteners, you know, like uh, Splenda and all this other crap. Like that stuff is just not good, you know. And, and in general, I mean, yeah, you know, I use monk fruit extract for my morning, whatever, turmeric, golden milk. But try, you know, the, the whole point is abstinence. The whole point is building your senses. So don't pile on the fake sugar, especially like the Splenda and all those like, you know, synthetic ones, because it's just not good for you. And it's also not good for your character development either. But if you feel unwell, make sure that you listen to your body as well. You know, listen to yourself and go slow. Fasting is uncomfortable. It can detox you. It can, you know, create some changes in your body. So that's normal. Uh, But at the same time, again, listen to your body and go slow. Uh, there's a couple fasting hacks that can help you. And these, you know, again, the point of fasting is to withdraw, to learn, to go inward. So it's not about hacking fasting. Don't try to be clever with it. You know, there's nothing to hack. It's just about abstinence. But of course, the first couple times you do it, as well as warming up your mind and, and building the willpower and the discipline and the focus, there's a couple things you can do to make it a little easier. Uh, chewing no sugar gum, putting some butter in your tea, uh, you know, mixing fiber powders into your tea or, or whatever, water, consuming a little bit of salt, pinch of salt, uh, playing some video games, all these kind of things. They're good at distracting you, giving you some extra willpower. They're They're you know, cheeky little techniques. They're fun. Like I said, the first couple times, but your goal is to be able to do a water fast and to really calm your mind down, to get present, to overcome that hunger with mindfulness and appreciation and to tune into all the things that are positive. And that's the last piece of advice I can give you. Um, It's basically, you know, make a list of 10 things that you still enjoy that day that you can still enjoy. Meaning like, hey, I can still take a walk. I can still meditate. I love the smell of air and I can breathe deeply. You know, the water is so refreshing. Like make a list of the things you appreciate. Uh, Meditate, pray, sleep, rest, journal, do some light cleaning or organizational stuff, read, listen to some personal growth stuff, learn, sit out in nature. Like there's a lot of different things that you can do that are very positive and productive. The key is to use your time to, to do it positively, you know, again, don't try to distract yourself. In the beginning, you may have to, but the goal is to come to the point where you're focused and you're with, you're with that pain. I mean, it's a little painful, but you're with it and you let it teach you. That's really the thing. You know, that's, that's the, when you're doing water fasts, 
and these are the 24 hours or greater. Final note that I mentioned very early on in this episode was that Prolon program. Uh, that's linked in your report. And Prolon is the program by Dr. Walter Longo, who did all the cancer research with the fasting and basically fasting mimicking through calorie restriction. So he created this five-day like pack that you can buy with pre-planned meals. It's 500 calories a day. It's absolutely fucking brutal in my mind. I mean, I tried it for a week. And I'll be honest with you that the Prolon was harder to me, the five days of 500 calories a day, that was harder for me to do than the two-day water fast. That was way harder because, yeah, two days sucked, but it went away. And if you think about five full days of 500 calories a day, I mean, that was that was hard. But there's documented health benefits for it. It's, it's scientifically, you know, it's backed by research. It's created basically to reset. So what he says is if you're healthy, you do the Prolon program, you know, once or twice a year you know, to kind of do like a reboot. So that's a great program if you like structure and you, you don't want to think about anything uh, and just get the benefits. You, you buy the Prolon kit and then you, you kind of do the fast for a week. So that's, that's pretty good. You can go check it out. Like I said, I linked it. You can go read more about it. That's a really great program. I've tried it. It's not easy but it's definitely worth trying and see if it's a fit for you. Final thoughts. You know, fasting is a practice, guys, and it's going to shape your life in a particular direction, whether that's a health direction, whether it's a spiritual direction, whether it's learning more about self-control or your relationship with food. Whatever it is, you have to be the discoverer of that answer. Don't buy all the hype. Don't buy all the cookie cutter molds out there. Do your research. I hope that the guide I've given you, make sure you download it, danceoflife.com slash fasting. There's a lot of good research articles in there about uh, you know, fasting, the impact of fasting, timing windows, uh, you know, the, the cycle of basically what your body does in the first 72 hours so you understand you know, what does the research say, not what does the hype say about how much you should fast and why and so on. So one quick note I wanted to address in this final bit of you know notes here is the fasting stress and adrenal fatigue uh, you know and I I'm sharing this from personal experience because I'm personally recovering I've spent the last year or so recovering from a bout of adrenal fatigue if you don't know what that is it's basically burnout you know your adrenal glands are super super important glands that regulate your response to stress, your hormones, cortisol, all these kinds of things. And when we're stressed out, when we're burned out, and we repeatedly go through that stress response, what happens is something called adrenal fatigue. And adrenal fatigue, you can, I've linked a book by Dr. James Wilson, which is just a classic book. It's, it's a very, very educating book. It changed my life. Actually, I think 10 years ago when I first read it, it was, it was when I first experienced this problem. I mean, I literally woke up one day and I was just exhausted no matter what. I could sleep like eight hours a day. I was just exhausted constantly. And I started doing some digging and I learned about adrenal fatigue. And then, you know, throughout my life, it's not like you have an easy life all the time. There's periods of stress. And so I experienced some more of that, you know, recently in the last couple of years and in the last year especially then my sleep started to suffer. I couldn't sleep anymore. I couldn't fall asleep. I was, you know, waking up to pee all the time. Maybe that's too much information. But if you have some of these symptoms, 
uh, where you like, you feel exhausted, but you can't sleep. Like you're, you know, you probably have too much cortisol going on. There's an adrenal imbalance with your hormones. This is why it's so important to balance your blood sugar, to make sure that you're not fasting too much. Because, you know, one thing I learned is that fasting creates a stress response. Like fasting, there's a lot of benefits for fasting. Don't get me wrong. But if you are in a burnout state, which a lot of people are, if you're listening to this podcast on personal growth and improvement, you want to make change in your life, you're probably a type A type of person. I'm the same way. I'm there with you. And, you know, that same type of personality is a cost to that. And the cost is burnout. You know, so we as perfectionists, as go-getter types, we have to learn to dial it back, to go slow, to be mindful, to appreciate. That's why I wrote that book, thegratitudemap.com. I'm going to shamelessly, shamelessly plug it one more time. Go get it. It's a free book. It talks about all these different things. All this stuff is related. Fasting, stress, mindfulness, appreciation. It's all related. Thegratitudemap.com. There's a lot of great stuff in there. You get a free book, free mini course, all kinds of stuff. But the point is that I've had to really train myself through gratitude, through appreciation, through mindset, and now through diet in the last year and learning about all these different things with intermittent fasting and keto and all that kind of stuff to really even my body out because it was going all over the place, especially all the stresses that I had as an entrepreneur, as a professional athlete, you know, working my body constantly. There's a lot going on and you can relate in your own way, I'm sure. Whatever it is, if you're a busy parent, if you're a busy business person, if you have a busy job, if you're a lawyer, doctor, create, you know, whatever it is, you've got stress in your life that's constantly triggering that stress response. And if if you don't respect that, if you don't understand where that is and how to recover from it, and you just jump into fasting, which adds more stress, it creates more cortisol, you're going to do more damage than good. It's not as beneficial as you think it is. Like there's there's an order to which things have to happen. And sometimes we want to put the cart before the horse, so to speak, and get to the obvious result of, yeah, I want a better body. I want, you know, a sexy body, sexy abs. I want super high energy and mental clarity and all those things. But maybe the first things you need to do is recover from burnout. Maybe the first things you do is work on your mindset and your relationship with food before you can sustain a fasting practice. So there's a lot of considerations to happen. Read that book by James Wilson. I think, believe it's called Adrenal Fatigue, the 21st Century Problem or something like that. But it's a great book. I've linked it in your guide. And consult your functional medicine doctor. You know, consult your functional medicine doctor and, re- you know, remember that fasting is not, it's not a race you win through effort or energy or more power or more anything. It is a race that you win through patience and focus. So long episode for you. We're going to do a little wrap up, but thank you for being here, for making a stand to improve your life through this practice. This practice has absolutely changed my life and I truly hope it changes yours. Make sure you download your guide, danceoflife.com slash fasting. I've said it like 18 times now, but really utilize all the information for you. Do your reading, do your research. I love you. We're going to do a little wrap up. Thanks for listening to How to Practice Fasting and Intermittent Fasting for a Superstar Life. Here we go. All right, all right, guys. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for being here, for listening. For tuning in. You know, I hope you've learned something new about fasting. And I hope, my biggest hope is it's encouraged you and empowered you 
to try it out in your own life. That's what this whole episode was about. You know, with the tools that we have, like fasting and gratitude and appreciation, again, go check out my book as well, thegratitudemap.com, shamelessly promoting it. But look, there's all this stuff is related. You know, being able to maintain a practice of fasting, of intermittent fasting, even just being able to do those regular periodic fasts, if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't have the right tools, the right guide, the right practice, it's not sustainable. So it's all about your life's practice. That's the biggest lesson I can share with you today is that everything's a practice. That book will help you. It's I, I believe in it. I think it's an amazing tool in your overall approach. The guide that you have is an amazing tool, danceoflife.com slash fasting. That's an amazing tool with a lot of research in there. And then just get to work. You know, you got those tools, then get to work figure out how it's going to work for you. Talk to your functional medicine doctor, your, your, your dietitian, whoever is in your life, and, and really get to work and figure out how this is going to help you and what's your purpose with it. Remember, the best of all medicines is resting and fasting. That quote by Ben Franklin. You know, today we have so much in this society, so much crap. You know, it's a lot of good stuff too, but a lot of crap too. And that, the key to balancing all that is is this idea of withdrawal and abstinence. It's this idea of getting resensitized so that we don't get burned out and desensitized and, and, and overdone with everything. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Let me know how it goes for you. I'm out here. I'm listening. I'm doing this myself. Let me know at Tudor Alexander Official. You can share this episode with your friends too. If anybody's curious about fasting, I highly, highly recommend this. Obviously, I'm a little biased, but look, it's a very valuable resource to get started. A lot of valuable information. This stuff has taken me probably the last two or three years of research to do. The book, The Gratitude Map, that's based on like the last 10 years of my life and experiences and research. A lot of good stuff in there too. So really good information. Save somebody the time and the hype and share it with them. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Remember, we'll see you on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. And in the meantime, my favorite, my favorite catchphrase, remember, truly remember, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more episodes and weekly content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.